Would you join me in prayer? O God of mystery, O parable of all parables, we gather here not to find answers. We gather here to seek together, to walk alongside one another on the journey toward understanding, though the destination remains ever elusive. O God of mystery, O parable of parables, we often find ourselves craning as we walk this road, straining to look back at where we have been, because at least we know where the road behind us leads. The road ahead is unknown. O God of mystery, O parable of parables, what a gift community is. What a gift to walk with those who will say, I'm coming with you, and where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. On the road we walk, we do not walk alone. And so, O God of mystery, O parable of parables, we give thanks. We give thanks for our fellow travelers on this road. We give thanks for the bread and the wine that sustain us on our journey. We give thanks for the eternal spirit of love that binds us together, that illuminates the path ahead, that hems us in before and behind with every step we take. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in their field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the largest of all vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds in the sky come and nest in its branches. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which someone took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field, which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When they found one very precious pearl, they went and sold all that they owned and bought it. Jesus said all these things to the crowds in parables, and he spoke to them only in parables. This was to fulfill what the prophet spoke. I'll speak in parables. I'll declare what has been hidden since the beginning of the world. Have you understood these things? Jesus asked. They said to him, Yes. Then he said to them, Therefore, 
Every legal expert who has been trained as a disciple for the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings old and new things out of their treasure chest. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. On one side of town, in a dusty stone courtyard, the disciples of a Pharisee asked their master a question. Teacher, they asked, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the Pharisee, stoic and confident, answered them. What you ask is simple, he began, reaching into his ancient mental catalog of beliefs. The kingdom of God is that realm in which God reigns, both in this life and the life to come. One enters it by following the law and earning God's favor. Believe in the sacred scriptures, keep the Sabbath, make sacrifice, give to the temple, pray the prayers. That is what pleases God. In God's kingdom, you will be granted blessing, protection, and strength. He looked at his disciples. Have you understood these things? Yes, his disciples nodded quickly, afraid of looking foolish. Thank you for making this so clear, teacher. We will go and memorize these things. So they set about memorizing and following their master's commands. They believed the right things. They refrained from working on the Sabbath. They made their sacrifices. They gave alms. They prayed their prayers. And upon the rest of the world, they looked with resentful suspicion. Some weeks later, Tragedy befell one of the disciples, and they suffered greatly. Disoriented, they returned to the Pharisee and asked why they had not been granted the protection of God's kingdom, having believed and done all of the right things for so long. And the Pharisee scolded the grieving disciple for their insufficient belief and obedience, and had them learn the teachings once more, and they continued in this pattern of clear answers unearned certainty, and imminent shame for the rest of their days. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, in a lively market, the disciples of the Christ also asked a question. Teacher, they said, what is the kingdom of God? The Christ, delighted and mischievous, answered them, you ask a wonderful question, he began, looking around and spotting a spice vendor. He reached into one of the vendor's baskets and plucked out a tiny mustard seed. The kingdom of God, he taught, is like a mustard seed that a scoundrel took and planted in a field. It's the smallest of seeds, but when it took root and grew, it became the largest of all the plants. A tree so massive, in fact, that the birds in the sky nested in its branches. He tossed the seed back into the bushel and continued with conspiratorial enthusiasm. The kingdom of God is like a treasure that someone hid in a field long ago. One day, someone happened upon the treasure, and full of joy, they sold everything they had to buy that field. Now, those who didn't see the treasure thought him insane, but this one lived off of the riches of their discovery for many years.
the Christ looked at his disciples. Have you understood these things? Yes, many of them nodded quickly, afraid of looking foolish. One of them, however, paused for a moment and said, No. Everyone looked at him in surprise. Teacher, the disciple continued, Why do you always tell us stories, but you never make clear their meaning? Why don't you just tell us clearly what to believe and what to do like the Pharisees? The disciples expected the Christ to rebuke this disciple, but he didn't. Instead, he picked up a fig from one of the baskets of a nearby fruit vendor. Tell me, he said, holding the fig out to his disciple, how would you like it if I were to give you this fruit? I would like that, the disciple began, but before he finished, Christ took it back and popped it into his mouth and started to chew. And with a mouth full, the Christ said, but how would you like it if I chewed it for you first? That way you wouldn't have to work at it too much. He made as though he were going to spit the mouthful into the disciple's hand, but the disciple withdrew it quickly. No, said the Christ, swallowing. Well then, neither will I tell you what these teachings mean. No one can tell you what these things mean to you, not even a master. Christ handed the fruit vendor two small coins and picked up another fig, which he tossed to his disciple. I'm afraid you must chew your own fruit. And the disciple sat with these teachings for some time, making friends with the mustard seed and the treasure in the lab of their imagination. They pushed against them. They doubted them. They spoke, to them, uh, spoke them aloud to friends and wrestled with them until at last the symbols yielded a blessing. Some weeks later, tragedy befell this disciple, and they suffered greatly. But rather than returning to the teacher and demanding an explanation, they sat with their experience, as had become their practice. In the lab of their imagination, they let the symbols dance with their experience. They pushed and doubted and spoke and wrestled until, at last, the struggle yielded its blessing. And they knew peace, and they knew what was theirs to do. And in this way, the disciples of Christ discovered for themselves what had been hidden since the beginning of the world. When I was 22, I took my first course in preaching. The professor was a formidable presence with a resume that read like a novel. He would tell story after story about his time in the pulpit. He'd walk us through strategies for interpreting and teaching the Bible, and I learned a lot from this professor. But one day, he taught this. Clarity, he said, is of the utmost importance. You need to know exactly what you're saying and be able to present it to your congregation in a way that is clear and convincing. In your sermons, your church needs to hear a well-defined and concrete application for their lives. 
He told us, I've had people come up to me after sermons and give me all manner of criticism, but one criticism I've never heard was this, that sermon was just too clear today, pastor. And I jotted down his lecture in my notes. But even as I wrote the words on the page, I felt in my bones that there was something not quite right. The idea of a pastor assigning a script to their congregation full of pre-worked answers about life and God and what they should do, it felt disrespectful. What I heard in his lecture was, your congregation cannot be trusted to deal with God themselves. They are busy people. They need you to chew their fruit for them so as not to ask too much of them. Make it as easy as possible to be a Christian. Otherwise, why would they want to be? And mulling over the idea, I thought to myself, if that's Christianity, and if that's preaching, then Jesus wasn't very good at it. This is not the way of a teacher who gives his disciples story after story and symbol after symbol, paradox after paradox. This is not the way of one who taught that the only way to take on a yoke that was easy and a burden that was light was first to take on a cross and follow him into death. No, it seemed to me that Jesus expected a great deal from his disciples. Not because he was legalistic or because he was trying to get them to earn anything, but because he knew that if you wanted to grow crops, you had to put in the work of tending the field. His disciples may have wanted clarity and easy answers, but Christ couldn't give them for the simple reason that the answers are in the work itself, not apart from it. Author Brian McLaren once wrote, Think of a math book. Is it valuable because it has the answers in the bag? No. It's valuable because by working through it, by doing the problems, by struggling with it, you become a wiser person. You become a person capable of solving problems and building bridges. We live in a church culture that has been more influenced by consumerism and advertising than it has been influenced by Jesus. This culture tells us that the way of Christ can be made more palatable, that we will increase church membership and pad our church budgets if only we can make things easier and just offer people the answer keys, a set of beliefs and creeds and doctrines. But the problem is we do this at the cost of our aliveness, at the cost of our peace and our joy. The problem is when the storms come and things fall apart, when a global pandemic sweeps down on us and we see how vulnerable we are for the first time, when the government's protection suddenly seems weak and self-serving, when riots begin protesting injustices that we've contributed to, when the time comes to wrestle, then all we will have are empty words and unearned certainties. 
unless we learn to struggle, to face our work, then the time will come when we need the peace and joy of God, where we need the direction of God. And we will find that all we have is the idea of God, which does us about as much good as the idea of bread does to a starving man. So Northminster, where do you see yourself in this story? in the story of the Pharisee and the Christ. Whose disciple are you? Whose disciple do you want to be? Have you done the work of chewing your fruit, of discovering the kingdom for yourself? Or have you been trying to survive off of the idea of the kingdom? And how has that worked for you in this season? What we need, Northminster, is not clarity. What we need are not beliefs, easy answers, clear directions, or ways out. What we need is a willingness to struggle. What we need is a willingness to chew our own fruit. A willingness to make friends with the mustard seed, with the hidden treasure, with all the symbols in the labs of our imagination. What we need is to learn to let them dance with our experience, to push against them, to doubt them, to speak them aloud to one another, to wrestle with them until at last they yield their blessing and we discover our aliveness. The peace and the joy and the direction that is our birthright. And in this way, may we discover what we need, what has been hidden since the beginning of the world. Amen.